1: oh yeah you like the flyers yeah the flyers are a team they play a sport called hockey we're gonna talk about the hockey team known as the flyers score a goal the flyers win the game the flyers. score a goal and then win the game the flyers thank you very much for turning on this show In case you didn't know, it's Broad Street Hockey Radio, talking about the Flyers, talking about the players, talking about the goals, and when they win the game, Their names are Bill, and Kelly, and Steph, and Charlie. They all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers, the hockey team. The Flyers win all of the games, and then the Stanley Cup. The Flyers are a team. They play a sport called hockey. We're gonna talk about the hockey team known as the Flyers. The Flyers are a team. They play a sport called hockey. We're gonna talk about the hockey team
2: known as the Flyers. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Mass. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh Before we get started tonight, I just have to say, I... I really worry about the mental state of the person that made that song.
3: Oh, stop it. I love that song so much. I
2: I hope he got it done in one take because if you had to listen (laughs) to it
0: over and over, it would drive you to murder. See, I worry about the hand of the person who wrote that song.
3: Yeah, he is actively in the <laughs> hospital. Is right he now. actually re- like he? Yeah. Oh,
2: it's all that shit he does. He's always doing
3: work. He's always hurting himself. This is why I don't
2: work because it only leads to bad things. Like get well soon. <laughs> so Robert, that's why. I'm sorry to hear about that. He, I don't want to make fun of your song when you're in the hospital. He almost um, cut
3: off his finger, but he's okay.
2: He has it though, right?
3: He yeah. No, he, he's fine. He man. almost cut it off. Like it's still attached.
2: We are here live on uh, Facebook Live uh, at the Wildfire Radio Studios in beautiful somewhere, South Jersey. <laughs>
3: Well, almost, be, almost Deptford, like but like not Depford, quite.
2: West, it's like three different towns. It's actually none of them. I don't know.
3: Uh, <laughs> We're just off, off some road in a trailer right now. It's fine. I'm still,
2: I'm still unconvinced New Jersey actually exists. <laughs> <eventually>. <laughs> Kelly's not here. It's really just throwing us all off tonight. Uh, let me introduce you to who is here. Uh, first and foremost, my broadcast partner in crime, Stephelicious D. Steph Driver.
3: So. There's been a lot of a lot of talk this past week, um, and we've discussed some of it um, between Ron Hextall and the media, um, and and the quotes are not good, and the the common reaction is either outrage or outrage about the outrage. Like, what do you expect him to say? And there's a lot of other ways that he could say nothing than what he's doing. Like that he's he's not. Saying nothing. he is actually endorsing the coach. So we'll go into that a little bit later because I've got yeah. some quotes from him from this past weekend. And I've got some quotes from him after and during the ten game win streak last year. And he was a lot more critical and a lot more pointed with his comments during the win streak than he has been recently. Um so I, I, there's I've got a lot of thoughts there. but there's definitely a way to say. I have confidence in the direction of the team. That being said, everybody is under a microscope right now. There's a way to say that without saying Dave Hackstall is our coach now, period.
2: To infinity and beyond.
3: Which actually never happened. Like that that was a quote that never happened. <laughs> it was actually fake news. It was Was it really? Yeah. Like it, it Awesome. Because then he came back and said he made a tweet like afterwards and was like, Hexdall never said that. That uh, Haxdall is going to be the coach in the future. It was just heavily implied. Like, you put it in fucking quotes, Yeah, you use the
2: quotation marks. That's what they're for. (laughs) They denote exact words. Let's not get into it. No. Uh, We got a lot to get into. The streak is over, and that's good. Uh, I don't know. Good for them, I guess. I guess. And from
0: TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So to go on a little non-flyers related rant here. One thing that has it's honestly like it's I think this has been building for a while for me but it's just really starting to come over the edge now is I'm really really getting sick of people acting like the Carolina Hurricanes are a good team. <laughs> Because, like, if you read about them on Twitter and you read about them online, you think they're this amazing hockey team that does everything right and has a great coach and has a great team and has a great defense and everything is awesome. And you know what? Like, They're better than the Flyers. Like, Eric Tolsky is a good guy. I root, for, I root for him to do well in his job. I like a lot of the players in the Hurricanes. I like the fact that they drive play but they have got to be the best theoretical hockey team in history because they never actually do anything in the standings. The Flyers have lost 10 games out of their last 11, and the Hurricanes are two points ahead of them in the standings. Now, granted, the Flyers have played two more games, but still. Like, at some point, all of these smart moves have to actually result in wins.
2: You know, that's, the Flyers are a disaster, and we want to burn down the building. And they're two points behind the Hurricanes, who are still somehow everyone's sweetheart. Yeah. I saw an article today about the Hurricanes, about how having fewer people at the stadium is good. It's actually a good thing. It's actually <laughs> <good>. <laughs> <laughs> like Well, you know, it raises the value of our season tickets. We've gone from 7,000 season ticket holders to 7,300 season ticket holders. I was like, Oh, so 300. Got 300 more.
0: <laughs> no, it's just like, I think it wouldn't bother me as much if there weren't so many people on social media that want to just act like, well, you got great advanced stats so you're a good team. It's like, no, that's not how it works. It helps. It helps. <laughs> but eventually, you have to actually like win some games yeah. and make the playoffs once in a while. Is this like- and true? they don't. So until <laughs> they do, stop telling me the Hurricanes are like the best team in the East and they're a legitimate threat. Like, they haven't made the playoffs in like eight years. Let's shut up about yeah. them until they actually do something.
2: That was the thing I read today about like their new business model and everything and it goes along those lines. I was just dying laughing. Like the guy who runs their team now Ran the Atlanta Thrashers, <laughs> and I'm like, all right. So he's a uh, he's he knows how to get teams relocated. Like he knows how to. <laughs> Whoa! <Woo! laughs> what
0: exactly are we saying here? Like, oh, he. What wrote a- we're
3: saying here is yeah, Houston. Like- <laughs> Hello. <laughs> like they could Seattle,
0: baby. They could be good. Super But like, there's a guy in my who, like otherwise is a smart hockey analyst who's analyst who's a Maple Leafs fan who's like decided that the Hurricanes are like the best team in history, and he's like, they're my favorite team. I love them. They're so great. They're even better than the Leafs. Like, no. Whoa. No, the Leafs could win a title this year. The Leafs year. could actually <laughs> win the oh. We'll be lucky to make the postseason.
3: That's uh that's going really, really.
2: Charlie, far. did you
0: hear what you the words that just came out of your mouth? What that the Leafs the could win. The Leafs a title? could win they the could. title. They they're they're one of like the five or six teams that so probably have the best chance to win the title this year. Yeah. It'll be hmm. the Flyers.
3: Uh let's let's Lay off the drugs. All right. Here, so, Bill. so, no. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs>
2: You'll never get between me and my drugs. <laughs> uh, so, last week we did the Fire Hackstall show. Uh, that's basically what it was. Now the streak is over. Yeah. And I have put now. Everything that came before last night behind me. I am now judging the team from here forward. I am washing my hands of all of it, and I am going to make all my... Because, you know, they won 10 in a row last year, and it turned out to be fake. And now they lose 10 in a row. Yeah, they had a couple of really bad efforts in there. But they could have won some of those games. They didn't, and I get it, but they're probably not as bad as I think they are right now. They weren't nearly as good as I thought they were last year or to start this season. Um, I'm just going to make my assessments of everyone from here. I still don't think the coach is the coach for this team going forward. I've finally turned on them. Um, But guys who I'm kind of waiting on and want to criticize, I'm thinking, you know what? Fresh slate. New season starts today streak is over let's put it all behind us let's see where it goes the only guy I'll continue to criticize is Dale Weiss because I have no idea oh my- how he's going on the
3: NHL team <laughs> oh my god the, his, the best
2: thing he's done in a Flyers jersey was get that match penalty
3: Probably. If the Flyers yeah. had scored,
2: it would have been the best goddamn thing he's done. And I hope he's not, like, seriously injured. That would suck. He practiced
0: today, so it's He like practiced it
2: today, so he's fine, so he's I can make fine. jokes about it. We uh, it's the best thing he's done in orange and black. But I want to pick up where we left off last week and start out with uh, with head coach Dave Haxtall and the news of uh, kind of what happened late in last night's game. Sanheim, Konechny, Patrick—all basically stapled to the bench for the third period. We got a sample of it a little bit uh, in uh, in the Boston game on Saturday. Sandheim played, but Konechny got uh, two shifts in the third period against Boston, including one that began with six seconds six seconds left on the clock. Patrick got five thirty nine of uh, third period time on ice first Boston, so that's not too bad. And then he only played on the power play against uh, Calgary last night what do we think about this strategy In in a vacuum it's one of those things that I always say about Dave Haxtell I can find reasons for things in a vacuum but when I look at the bigger picture what am I what is he doing what is the purpose
3: so we've we talked about this a lot today and and this is where I've landed on this you can't look at this in a vacuum. You can't just say the rest of the season didn't happen because this is something that Haxtell has been doing all season. This is something that Haxtell had been doing with Connect Me even last year. year. So this is not new. This is not a new coaching tactic. The only thing... The only tool that Hackstall has in his coaching tool belt is to bench players, whether it's during the games on the bench or whether it's in the press box, which we have not seen yet significantly this season. There was the, the Brandon Manning, Travis Sandheim nonsense at the beginning of the season, but that hasn't happened since. Um, so just because he got it right last night does not mean that he knows the difference. Because that's the, his only tool. So I don't think that he can differentiate between we need six goals to, to win here, to catch up. Let's put our best offensive players out there. And we're protecting a lead. Let's keep our defensive liabilities out of the game. I don't think he knows the difference. I think he's he's punishing players for not being able to coach them correctly in a way that is going to get the most out of them.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think this was a punishment. I admit maybe that's, maybe that's a, a, a point of disagreement. Like I, I think last year, a lot of the stuff he did was punishments like scratching yeah. grossed and scratching connect me. Like that was remedial. We could say, mm. um, I don't think this is remedial in the sense that like, you know, you, you know, this guy screwed up this play, so he's sees out for the third period. I think it truthfully is just that this is what he thinks is going to give his team the best chance of winning. And on Saturday, I thought he was wrong on on what was it Monday? Today's Tuesday. I have on no mo- idea. on, on Monday, Monday, I thought he was right. So on on Saturday, he benched Connecty for basically the entirety of the third period, which is really stupid to do when you're down three nothing, and Connecty's one of your. Few players in your team, it's actually creating anything, and you bench him because reasons. And then on Monday, they benched Konechny, Patrick, and Sanheim because they're trying to, to hold hold lead, and that's more understandable. I don't know. Like last night's game, aside, like Patrick's fine, bench him. He wasn't playing well. Konechny, he was playing okay. That whole line was kind of a mess, though, and he's not the good defensively. Sanheim, like this, this is this is kind of what it goes back to in my mind. A lot of the problem that we see. A lot of what we hear people say about, like, well, it's a development issue, and he's not good at developing talent. Like, I think a lot of the problem is is talent evaluation, not mm-hmm. not problems with developing. Because, like, for example, I think Sanheim should be playing more. I think Sanheim should be playing more than Robert Haig, because I think Sanheim is better than Robert Haig, but he trusts Robert Haig more. So Robert Haig has the, the role of the rookie who gets minutes in these types of games. Mm-hmm. Now... Is that because you know, he's not willing to play a rookie? Well, he's playing Robert Haig. Robert Hay's a rookie. He's just not willing to play a certain kind of rookie. Yeah, because he doesn't think that that certain kind of rookie is as good as he probably is. And that's where we run into the same issue with connectney and, and, and I, I, I don't know if this is like a I'm trying to change you. I think it may be more of like, I just don't value your skill set as much as I value other skill sets.
2: that's I I'm looking at it in terms of, okay. Yes, he will bench Connectney in some third period situations. Um, when you're behind, I have no idea yeah, why you why, would, he why them, you would but. do that. Uh, he's, I mean, that's it's, dumb. It
3: is. It's um, dumb, that's and just it's dumb. The, it's the only tool that he has. Yeah, and, and then he comes out and says, "Well, Connectney didn't earn his ice time." I like, get.
0: Stop. I'm not sure what he could have really done to earn. It. Like stop. Like he had, and that's where yeah, I he had four in... scoring chances in the first two periods. And, yeah. Like the yeah. next closest player, I think, had two. And that's where I run into the issue with these moves. Um, okay,
2: yes, in a vacuum, 10-game losing streak, you have a lead. You're really trying to just put this one away, cling on to it, end this streak, and then get on with the rest of your life because ten in a row, eleven awful. Just really weighs on your team. It gets worse <laughs> 11, every 11 day. is
3: just so yeah. much worse uh, than you, 10. <laughs> you
2: have the lead and you can't blow another one so you're going to go with your Imagine dependable your... Oh so great.
3: Imagine if they had.
2: <laughs> you want to go with your dependable veterans who you rely on because of their experience. My issue with this experience thing and we keep coming to it is that okay the only reason guys like Valtteri Filippola and Andrew McDonald and Brandon Manning are relied on the way they are is because they have this just experience. They've played a ton because other coaches have not realized they're not good. Um, Philpola's has looked all right. Yeah, in, and, and has yeah. been good. Yeah, in the fine. fine. I know it's just a guy who doesn't factor into the future, so it frustrates me that he's out there. Right, um, but
3: but, but I look at these for guys for all intents and purposes. Filippo is fine. Yeah, like it's, it's it's fine.
2: I look at these guys and okay, the one thing they have is this experience, and it's so valuable. How can these other players who are going to be here in the long run and your coaching career will be tied to them? Like if Nolan Patrick can't be depended on in third periods, that's going to directly impact your coaching career. How are they supposed to gain this experience without experiencing it?
3: I... I mean, and the three easy like, is okay. they can't. You they have a two-goal
2: lead. You have the whole coaches will go. Oh, it's the most dangerous lead in hockey. Which, okay, sure. You push. <laughs> you, <laughs> this is so stupid. You push it to three, kind of early. You can't protect a three goal lead. I don't care if you were only like, how is a three goal lead not the we're rolling four lines lead and see what happens? And if it gets down to two or one, we will then shorten our bench. But like, okay, okay, how well, is well, this not the lead? Well, I'll,
0: gr- I'll grant you that for most teams, that's true. For this Flyers <laughs> team, they could have a five goal lead, and I still think they're going to find a way to blow it.
3: <laughs> that's pretty fair. That's I
2: un- <laughs> pretty I, no, fair. I fully understand that thinking, but I just, again, we're not like, you can't coach. You can't coach, period. That's the end of the sentence. I just feel like you can't coach scared. I have the same issue with Doug Peterson's play calling in that goddamn Seahawks game. He coached differently than you would in any other situation in that game. And no, you do what you do. Don't do what the other team is dictating. Do what you do and force your game plan. And going going with nine forwards is not advantageous.
0: So here, here's the point I'll make about the third period thing, and because the, the, you you brought up an interesting point when you basically said, "How are they going to get the experience if you don't give them the experience?" <laughs> here's the thing with that though: it's not like in the first two periods no one plays defense, and then in the third period when you're leaning, all you do is play defense. Like everyone plays offensive defense in the first two periods. And then they play offensive defense in the third period, If except if you're leading, maybe it's a little bit more leaning towards the defensive side. So it's not like Travis Konechny, by not playing in the third period with a lead, is not getting practice playing defense. Like, he's learning. He's getting better. I don't think it's necessary for his development as a, as a two-way forward to play in the third period to get good defensively. I think he'll get that by playing in the other two periods of the game. Like, I don't think this is... I don't think any of this is necessarily hurting the development of the players. Where I think the problem runs into is when it's hurting the team winning now. Mm. Like my issue is not that my issue is not that Travis Konechny is developing poorly because they're not using him in third periods. My issue is that if they're not using him in third periods when they're down, they're not giving the team the best chance of winning now. Like Konectny is getting enough time in the rest of the game that he can develop Every aspect of his game, as long as he's focusing on the right things, and that goes into a coaching situation. Is like, is he being told to focus on the right things and that stuff? We don't know. You can only infer by on ice results. But he's getting the time to become a more complete player through the rest of the game. It's not like he has. It's not like he's going to learn something special by doing it in the third period. My problem is that. You have to play the best players, and you have to play the best players in situations that, that play to their strengths, and too often, Hackstall has not done that. All right, I have a question about Travis Connecty. Okay. Um,
2: I don't need him to be a two-way player. I don't (laughs) care if he plays zero defense. That was
3: exactly my thought when Charlie was saying that. But, no,
2: if he scores a ton, and my issue with Travis Konechny right now is, yes, he's creating chances, and he has for a lot of the season created chances, but Charlie, uh, I think you like this movie as much as I do, Moneyball. Mm -hmm. There's a scene in there where Brad Pitt says, if he's a good hitter, how come he doesn't hit good? If Travis Konechny is this super talented offensive player, how come he doesn't put up numbers?
0: That's a fair question. Why doesn't he convert these chances? So so, we, so you have to remember that he's 20 years old. And generally speaking, if a guy is creating opportunities, eventually they're going to go in the net. Now, you know, one thing, because you put it in the outline, you basically said, is he just not a good shooter? And... You know, yeah, so far his shooting percentage has not been that good. I
2: can't remember if it was on Twitter or somebody said it during one of the post games, but I was hit up on social media when I was making these points about Travis Konechny and someone said, doesn't have an NHL shot. And you know what? I've seen him take a
0: couple of good shots, but overall, his shot doesn't threaten goalies. Well, it's interesting because I go back to something I think we've referenced on the show in the past is that James Neal article from a few years ago where he basically said, you know, there were things that I could get away with as a shooter in juniors or wherever I don't know if he was college or juniors or whatever but basically there was there were there were things I could get away with my shooting just by overpowering goalies at the lower level and then yeah. I got to the NHL level and I realized like goalies just know what I'm doing before I even do it and I have to learn I had to learn the tricks you know the ways to be a sniper in the NHL I think it's legitimately possible that Travis Connect just has not learned them yet I don't think that doesn't mean that he can't learn. Well, on
2: a team with nothing but highly skilled shooters, I have that's nothing but point. confidence that he will pick up on these tricks <laughs> yeah, from these point. experienced veterans like Dale Weiss who were sh- supposed to be teaching him how to score
3: Ooh, at this level. That he's, that he's been stuck with for a lot of the season. Oh, I'm trying to find, is it Micah that tracks the, the lines and how much ice time they've had?
0: Um... It should be on natural, natural I
3: couldn't find it, but I'm very inexperienced so what, looking at it. Thank you. Watching, <laughs> looking at things,
2: watching Travis Konechny as we have now for an extended period of time. What do you honestly believe his true potential is?
3: I think that he's, um, I don't, I don't have a good comparison to be really honest. Um, in terms of the flyers, I, I don't know. I, I think that he's, maybe a second-line winger.
0: Yeah, I, I basically agree with that. Um, I mean, because oh, when but, he fell the way he did and the
2: Flyers got him and we've laughed at Boston all this time for not taking him, I'm and still he's still, still probably better than anyone Boston well, took yeah, with those picks, but yeah. it's, oh my God, I can't believe he fell this far. All right, he's shown some flashes, but at this point in his career, I'm thinking like it's not like he's a stud.
0: Like They didn't miss a superstar here. So what's the, like, I guess the question here is what... What are Travis Konechny's plus skills? And I would say number skating. One, skating is his number one. Number two is he's he's very good at creating. He's, he's very good at creating entries. Like he can get the puck through the middle of the ice very well, and he's tenacious. Now that hasn't necessarily shown up in his defensive results, but you watch him and you see you kind of see like kind of what we saw with Scott Lawton, where you were like. Well, did we really just think he was good defensively in juniors because he, like, fought really hard in the corners? Yeah. Mm. And Konechny Konechny has the want-to. Like, even when I watch – when I break down tape of him, like – He's not bad defensively because he's loafing it. He's just bad defensively because the instincts aren't there yet. And whether they ever get there, yeah, he I'm just not makes, sure. He
2: makes bad decisions. Yeah, he makes that bad And be
0: soft along the wall. Yeah, like, but he's small, so yeah. that's going to happen. But I think he's going yeah, When I he's say soft, good. I don't mean lack of willingness. Yeah, yeah. He gets bad. in there. He just gets in there and then turns it over. Yeah, like he, you're basically oh, talking yeah. about a, a very good skater who can create on the rush and is tenacious as hell. So those are your three definite plus attributes of Travis Connecte. So what does he need to work on? He needs to work on his shot. He needs to work on his consistency. And then what else? Like what what else is he not good at?
2: I That's a great question. I want to know next now. Finishing, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah, like his shot. Yeah. Is he a left or right winger? Or should he play center? Granted,
1: well, defensive liability. Uh, yeah, I right? mean, that, that, you can't <laughs>
2: you can't play him at center at this point in time because he is a, he, I, he can barely play wing at this level. I don't want to put him at center. You
3: know, let's not be crazy How, here. Uh, okay. He can definitely play wing at this level. I'm just we had this
2: question. We I mean, a guy like Danny Briere. You went, is he going to be able to? And then he had a pretty decent. career. See, I career. wanted
3: I wanted to he say he a pretty that decent he career. Could be, he could be a center. Danny Briere. And there's
2: a guy in. There's Maybe. a guy who, uh, Charlie's going to go nuts, that I'm bringing him up yet again, but we
3: never believed he was a center, and he looks like a pretty good one. Number 10 in your programs, number one in Steph's heart, Brayden Shen. <laughs> our, our entire comments, like four on, on Facebook Live right now, when and since we started, no, everybody has been fighting about Brayden Shen, because as soon as we hit record... <laughs> He scored a goal. That's Did he
0: bad. really? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Score uh, a goal and then win the game. No, if, if you're going to and and connect me like there has been talk that he you could try him out of center. The thing is and this is honestly my belief is that if you want him to be a center and I don't want this to happen, but if you want him to be a center, you got to send him down to the AHL and teach him how to play center. That's a fair point. And I don't want to do that. So no. I don't want yeah. I don't want to go that route. Go check out the yeah. Phantoms games. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he, like yeah, I, I agree with Steph, and then I'm sort of projecting Connecty ceiling as like second line winger, which All is right. which is fine. Like that's good, especially from a late first round pick.
3: Yeah, and, and that's kind of what we need right now because we have the top line. Yeah, I mean, for now, for
0: now, <laughs> yeah. for now.
3: Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen through the rest of this season? But we don't need. We don't need every single draft pick to pan out as a superstar. We need to fill this roster. We need to fill the lineup because as we've seen this friggin' year, your middle six matter because when they're shit, and good lord, the Flyers' middle six are shit right now, it, it drags the entire yep. team down.
2: Great segue there, Steph.
3: Thank you. Talk I'm a about professional, the, damn it.
2: I want to talk about the middle six. Right now, specifically a guy who plays in the middle of the middle six, Nolan Patrick. Well,
3: can we? Are we going to get back to Charlie's question? What was Charlie's question? The one that's in blue right before Nolan Patrick. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, do we we want to do that
3: now or do we want to do it later? Let's do it now. All right.
0: Let's do it now. (laughs) So my segue, my segue
3: wasn't that
0: good. <laughs> Charlie, what's your question? So my question, and this was just based on my my read of social media during the game, and granted, like that's obviously influenced by the people I follow, so you never never really know if that's the that's the true like tenor of the fan base at the moment. But the question I'd like to address is do people actually want the Flyers to win anymore? And that's not a satirical question. Like I got the distinct impression on social media that a significant portion of the fan base wanted the Flyers to lose and wants the Flyers to keep losing because they think that's the only way that Dave Haxall is going to be relieved of his job and that the only way this team will succeed in the long term is if Dave Hackstall is literally fired into the sun. So the question I'm more I'm more asking is: first off, am I reading this wrong? Secondly, if I'm reading it right, is it okay? Like, is it okay just to be like, well, I'm, I want the Flyers to lose every game until Dave Haxall is gone? Like, maybe I, I don't know. It's just it's an intriguing feeling I'm getting from the fan base right now.
2: I wanted the team. I I can't say I wanted them to lose, but as this losing streak is going, part of me starts to think, yeah, what if they never won again?
3: <laughs> like, what if, they,
2: I've get, had, I've had that what if they get through the season? <laughs> like, what if it's February and we're like, yeah, they haven't won since uh, November eighth. <laughs> like that would be kind of fun. But uh, now that the streak is over, I'm thinking. Like, uh, I get the question all the time in post game. Why don't we just tank? And my answer to that is because it doesn't work. Like, even if you get Connor McDavid look at the Oilers well, they've been tanking I mean, for um, a decade <laughs> <laughs> they have the best freaking prospects since Gretzky and they still you, see, they I,
3: still I would, are bad I would even say look at the Sabres they have definitely tanked they yeah. got Jack Eichel and they are still an absolute disaster the Oilers at least made the postseason last year like they have the pieces where they should be able to put their shit together yeah. if they can if they can get their get it together um I actually, I, I've got a. I had. I went on this whole brainstorm uh, someday this weekend where I was just thinking out loud because we weren't recording that day and I just had a lot that I needed to get out of my head were onto just, a place.
2: Uh, were you just yelling it at the animals? Is that what you're telling me?
3: No, I did it oh. on Twitter. I did oh, it on okay. Twitter, um, <laughs> where I actually talked myself into the, the Ron Hextall is, is in the middle of a tank and nobody knows. Um, but to get back to Charlie's question, I think you are reading it absolutely correctly. Like, I don't think that people want the team to win anymore. And I'm, I've am i never felt like I'm in a place to dictate how other people should feel. Like, I am not the fan police. Because I am also one of the people who's like, I don't think I want this team to win anymore because I don't trust Hextall to make the moves that are going to benefit the team in the immediate future. And that's the...
2: Those are the puzzle pieces you have to put together for yourself. I think there's a percentage of the fan base, a vocal, maybe smaller percentage than we think because it's the people we interact with a lot. I or think it's there, just people that are the loudest. Yes, it is, <laughs> it is a vocal minority, but very vocal, who believe this team needs to lose every game so that Hextall gets his head out of his ass and goes, this coach is ridiculous, and gets rid of him. And I can't. Totally disagree with that premise because if you believe that he's actually hindering the development of potential impact players like Konechny, Sandheim and Patrick, okay, that is a totally that's a totally legitimate point of view to have. I just think this team doesn't need to tank or lose in that manner because they're bad enough without it. Like this is going to be a
0: lottery team. Oh like, yeah, like you yeah. know, no, no doubt. The, and the, the Flyers to the, the, the playoffs, it, it would it would have to take a. A pretty awesome run yeah, for them to get back in a playoff game. Yeah, that's the thing is, I thought they were gonna
2: like do that hover thing and then make a second half run. This was not hovering. If they make a second half run now, they're still gonna come up short. Like unless they win out for the last month and a half, two months of the season. Like if they don't lose from February on, maybe.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think like when I when I went back in one of my columns over the past week, basically, I think it was in the mailbag where right? somebody asked, "Have there been teams that have gotten in the playoffs from this poor of a run?" And like. Last year the Flames did it, which I mean that's probably like the best case scenario for the Flyers. However, if you remember the Western Conference, Brian Elliott, baby, the Western Conference last year was pretty bad. Yes, like like it was top heavy. The top was good, but then it fell off a cliff, and like the final two teams that got in really weren't all that good. They and then the Preds ended up best, yeah, and then they end up in the Stanley Cup. Exactly, but (laughs) but anyway, so well the Preds were interesting, but the other two were. The Ducks one year were worse than where the Flyers were at through 25 games, and then they won their division. But I believe they rattled off an eight-game winning streak right at this time, and I don't think this team is in any shape to rattle off an eight-game winning streak right now. I would bet against it. And then the third <laughs> team was the Blue Jackets. However, the Blue Jackets had the reigning Vesna Trophy winner in Sergei Bobrovsky, so that kind of helps. A little bit. Just
3: like a little. Yeah, it's the
0: tat. So so the short answer is no, I don't think they're going to come back here. I just wanted to put a
2: bow on this hack stall situation, the debate about him, because I've I've flip-flopped on him now. I'm anti-hack. I looked up these numbers last night. Flyers are 89, 71, and 31 under hack uh, in the regular season. That's a points percentage of 547, 19th in the league since he was hired. Uh, 89 victories ahead of only Arizona, Colorado, Buffalo, Vancouver, Jersey, Carolina, Detroit, Toronto, and of course, Expansion Vegas, because they've played less right, than right, 30 right. games. Uh, so they're like bottom 10 in wins since he got hired. They're 19th in points percentage. He's not doing a very, like... No. I know this was never going to be a Stanley Cup contending team this early, but... The whole "we're gonna compete and rebuild" thing—they're not doing one of those, and the other one is the other half of it's questionable. Yeah. So
3: th- this was this was part of my whole my, my whole thing that I did. So I said when we were talking about the Sixers, like this is something that I, I talked about on yelling about sports. Players don't tank. Coaches no. don't tank.
2: No, you build a team to tank.
3: It's the front office yeah. that builds the tank. So is it possible? Is it possible? Not saying that this is definitely happening, but is it within the realm of possibility that Ron Hextall has looked at this team, looked at Dave Hextall's coaching record and said, this is not going to be our year. I'm not going to make any moves. We're going for for all intents and purposes, a tank to get a top draft pick. Is it possible that he's looked at this draft and said, this is what I need to compete there's a player or two or three that I need to get that will complete the process for me because like last year when they jumped from 13 to two everybody was terrified because this was a team that was just out of the playoffs like this is a team that only needed one or but two like, more pieces,
2: everyone in the east was just out of the playoffs.
3: well, that's like, also fair. there were but, like
2: two like Buffalo and Jersey were the only teams that weren't close, I think
3: right so so they were ju- they they jumped they jumped and they got this asset that everyone was like, well, this is going to make them significantly better, and they have gotten so much worse. Is it possible
2: it, honestly um Michael Neuvert, Dale
0: Weiss, Boyd Gordon, um,
3: Brian Elliott, <laughs> Brian Elliott. I mean, fine. he's been fine, but he, he's not. Well,
0: I mean, I mean, the, maybe the, the the interesting thing is, and I, for the record, like I don't think this is what's going on because I think I like I look at the roster and like I believe Hexall is doing. He's looking at his team and he's like, we're not this bad. However, if you wanted to point to one move that lends support to your theory. It is the Braden Shen trade. Yeah, you yes. trade like, like that like that is the trade you make you when traded, you are actively trying to get yes. worse. You
2: traded present production for future lottery tickets. I mean that's that's what you did. You got Morgan Frost and another first and Yuri Latera's contract that they're probably gonna buy out after. Yeah, this they're show. probably buying them out. Um, how fun is that? That they're always no, I don't want to talk about it. They're always gonna have a buyout on the books. Like that's one I of not talk about. But it. it is. It's <laughs> one of those things that a big market, big money team has in its pocket that you can make trades like that, and it's not killing you. Like if they're gonna have you know two thirds of that money against the books for double, like it's not hurting you. It's something you can do to acquire other assets if that's what you want to do. Yeah, you can eat money, you can take on contracts like Laterra's for a better return, things like that. But like when you
0: see Latera just sitting there,
3: like I can't, oh, you know, this no, guy kind of stinks. I can't, so, I can't talk about so it. So
0: here's here's my problem with the the idea of a tank. Basically, it's this: if you're Ron Hextall and you know deep down, you know. That this coach isn't good, but you're keeping him because you figure, well, he'll make sure we're bad this year. We'll get a high pick, and then I'll <laughs> then I'll fire him. Then we'll add another big piece, and then next year we'll go on our run. The Flyers, like that's one thing that cracks me up every time you hear this tank thing. Like tank, we need to get we need to get better. We need to build a deeper system. The Flyers literally had the number one prospect yeah. pool going into this past year. <laughs> like how much I know, how much better. I don't know. Do you actually think they can make this prospect pool? What should be going on here is the Flyers should be almost entirely focusing on making sure that these kids that that are part of this big prospect pool actually develop into something good. And if you know that your coach sucks, if you as a GM are fully aware that your coach is bad at everything, and. And you also realize that the key to making this team succeed in the long term is developing your young talent. You want to get him as far away from your young talent as possible as quickly as possible. It just it, the, the the two ideas they don't they don't mash up unless Hexall doesn't think his prospect pool is as good as everyone else. Well,
2: thought. that's they have a good prospect pool. Part of what makes it so great is quantity.
0: True, true. How but many? You, but, but that's part of it. yeah, yeah. Part part of having a lot of like the, the hard truth about prospects is a lot of them don't pan out and no this is why people buy yeah. like 6000 lottery tickets yeah like like, yeah, some teams get lucky and they have five top prospects and yeah. all five of them become stars. But most teams, you have five top prospects, two of them become stars, one of them becomes okay, one of them gets traded, and one of them never makes the NHL. Yeah. Like, you stockpile prospects because a lot of them bust. And the reason why the Flyers prospect pool is so good is because they have a lot of guys. So even if half of them bust, they still have a good team. In saying that, however,
2: how many of these prospects would you say top out as point-of-game player in the NHL? Well,
0: there aren't a lot None. of pointer game players in the NHL. Exactly,
2: <laughs> but that's you look at down, you look up and down the league and see the top team. You need one or two superstars, like as badly as much as you want depth and everything. Who is like is Claude Giroux and are Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek going to keep up the scoring pace for five more years? Seriously, Probably doubt not. it. And if they don't, who the hell is? Because this They're team turing. just lost ten in a row, and they've got three of the top thirty scorers in the league. Yeah. So. If they're not keeping it up, I obviously you're hoping other guys make a jump, and now since we're talking about those other guys, Steph Mate talked about that jump in the uh, in the lottery. Yeah I'm not calling him a bust. I'm not saying he's not going to be good, but through the first two, three months of the season, is it okay to be disappointed in Nolan Patrick because he's given you nothing?
3: I would like to slap the face of every single person that says that they're disappointed in Nolan Patrick, like on and about what, their face. What? What is he doing for you? So let's let's give. What let, makes you no. so
2: defensive of him? Other than he's nineteen and it's gonna be okay.
3: That So he's 19 It's going to be okay <laughs> He's in the NHL now he, has, he hasn't even played 20 NHL games yet So you know how We, d- we did the Robert Haig thing And we all agreed This was like a month ago We all agreed Too soon to actually say What we have here Because he's, he just made the jump And he hasn't played 20 NHL games yet That's where we're at With Nolan Patrick So the team sucks I get that And he is not doing anything right now to make that better. I get that too. So it's okay to be disappointed in the team. It's okay to point fingers and say, this person is not having a good game. But when you're only 17 games into your NHL career, after coming off a surgery in September, like it wasn't even, it wasn't even like March, it was September, it's okay to give him some wiggle room to find his legs and to find his game and to get up to speed. He'll be fine, is all okay. I'm saying.
2: But he's in the NHL right now. He's on the Flyers. He's collecting an NHL paycheck. Yep. Last night, his Corsi 4 percentage was 10.
3: He pay- he played nine minutes.
2: That's why, because he was Bad,
3: but maybe if he had played more than nine minutes, it would have gotten better.
2: Or maybe they would have. I mean, lost. we're talking
3: very small sample size.
2: <laughs> maybe if he had played more, they would have
0: given up five goals and lost. So I, so I completely agree that one game is a small sample size. It How- certainly is. However, but it's a picture of. However, he has I, I believe, and this was something I looked up last night. His Corsi 4 percentage for the season is around 39%, thirty-nine percent or thirty-nine. That's that's really bad. Like. Yeah. It's it, With Patrick, it's not that I'm, like, it's more that his underlying numbers are so bad so far that it goes beyond the, well, he'll figure it out. Like, they're really bad. Do I think that's his true talent level? No. I mean, there's probably some variance in there somewhere. But, like, like guys don't finish like even through 20 games they shouldn't be 10 percentage points lower than the team's average in Corsi it, it just there's there's some there's something wrong here and, and I, I don't know what it is it's too early for me something to say it's happened. it's too early for me to say he's a bust without a doubt it's way 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 too early however it's also I think it's early enough to be like if he was going to be a superstar shouldn't he have shown more early
2: and that's he might end up being a great middle six center. I, I, I fully believe in his potential as an NHL player. I believe he's going to get a lot better. I always said yeah, I think he's gonna get a lot there's going to yeah. be an adjustment period for a guy of his size who's dependent on his strength, and he's not that fast. I've said it a million times on this show and in my post games. Don't need to reiterate it. However, through 18 games, he's got two goals, four assists, and he hasn't looked good. That's all I'm saying.
3: When did he, he hasn't looked good? And I'm asking this because I don't know the answer. When did he come back from his concussion in relation to the ten game losing streak? Uh,
0: that's a good question. Um,
3: like, did he come back in the middle of them shitting the bed?
0: I don't know. I maybe mean, did he come back right before. Let me check.
3: Yeah, because so the argument that I want to make, but I don't know the answer, is that it, it, maybe, maybe it's because the entire team is literally shit. And he came back at the worst.
2: And there's part. definitely something to that. I was talking about this last night on uh, on the post game how like we finally are seeing you know Sean Couturier break out at 24. He turns 25 like tomorrow or in two days
0: or something. Um, Does he really? Yeah, I think Michael Ruffle just think had a birthday. I, think I, saw that. I believe it's December 7th. He oh. turns 25. So so Patrick came back two games into the 10 game losing streak.
3: Okay, like, it was a bad time for him to come back.
0: And he had, I think, is he had some good games in that period. Like he had yeah. some games where I thought, actually, about a week and a half ago, that he was turning the corner. He had a couple monster games, actually, in the middle of the losing streak. It's been, I thought he was good in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's been the last like week or so where it's just been like dumpster fire, dumpster fire, dumpster fire, and you get concerned. You get concerned because it's just it. It, it comes down to upside, and like you brought up Robert Haig, and I 100% agree with you. We had this conversation that it's too early to say mm-hmm. what Robert Haig is because it's 20 games in or it's 15 games into his rookie year. The difference between the two is that no one went into. Robert Haig's career and thought that he was going to be a top pair defenseman. Yeah. If I if, if well I did. If <laughs> I if Ivan Provorov started out the way Robert Haig did, I would have been concerned because I would have been like, okay, he's going to get better, but I'm expecting greatness from mm-hmm. this guy, and he's giving me. Not that good. So even if he gets better, he has to go really far to get from bad to great. Maybe he gets from bad to good, but to get from bad to great, maybe I have to lower my expectations for Ivan Provov. Luckily, that didn't happen with Nolan Patrick. That's happening. Mm. So my my fear is is that while I ex- fully expect he's going to get better, I'm wor- I'm worried that I may have to lower my expectations for just how much better he's going to get.
3: Now the surgery that he had in the off season is that the same one that Giroux had?
0: So I I got the impression no. It's I, different because yeah, like, it was that, the sports that Giroux, hernia, that right? had hernia and hip and Patrick just had hernia. Hernia, yeah. That um I read that article
2: and that dude who likes... Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. sports hernia is a really, really general term. Right. It's like all your core muscle injuries are called sports hernias, and they're all very different, apparently. And he's like the only one that like recognizes the difference yeah, and does that. the shit differently. And that's why the guys all go to him, and it's like a whole thing. So his wasn't as bad. But when I look at, when Charlie points out, the thing that's concerning about... um. About Patrick is that the thing he was in juniors was physically dominant. Winning board battles, keeping people off the puck and dishing and creating scoring chances that way. Hasn't seen that actually loses a lot of battles. When I see that, I start thinking, okay, that's a strength thing. And when it's in your core like it was he's going to gain that back yeah. it just isn't back all the way yet it's when he says like in in training camp they were asking him about it. he goes yeah well i skated for 5 minutes and i wasn't winded right away so like i feel better <laughs> like, that's his My poor angel. that's <laughs> his like point of reference for the last time he was playing hockey he was winded after his first shift. Yeah. So he's coming back from that and like it's it's And
3: hasn't played like yeah. Consistent and it's, it's eighteen games plus y-all. it's
2: eighteen games plus a preseason with a concussion in the middle. So listen, I am yeah. not calling him a buzz Steph. I am I would never do that eighteen games into <laughs> a guy's season. <laughs> I, I people, just, are, like, people,
3: yeah, well, people are though People are People are insane And it's, and it's you like You spend enough time on Twitter To oh, know people God. are insane I know But it's You know what it is <laughs> Let me let me tell you What it actually is For me So it's the people That are very loud Saying that they're upset About Nolan Patrick And how Nolan Patrick Is performed Are the same people That were shitting All over Braden Shen And then now Are mad, that, mad he's that he's gone,
2: gone. Yeah me <laughs> So At me next So time. like
3: When I hear These people Say that they're Disappointed In Nolan Patrick now, <laughs> I'm disappointed
2: to this point that he's given you nothing. And in this last week, he's been especially big. He
3: had one shift with Giroud and Voracek and goal,
2: I know. And that's what the point I was making earlier in that we're just seeing now, you know, Sean Couture, oh, finally break it out after all this time. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, he was playing with Voracek and Giroux before he was playing with Reed and Ronaldo. <laughs> So maybe yeah, that wasn't the most ideal situation, and I see him. I see Patrick out there with Dale Weiss and Travis
0: Konechny, who the coach hates, and I think, tra- maybe...
3: Like, what did Travis Konechny do to Dave Haxton?
2: Doesn't matter. He I just doesn't like. Know. See,
0: here is one thing though that does kind of annoy me about the like the, the cogn There is there is some cognitive dissonance. This is a part of the. This is the with part of the fan base that you're annoyed with. This is what with the, like, Nolan Patrick should be the second line center and play with Jake Voracek because his name is Nolan Patrick. Well, they annoy me too. (laughs) And one thing that I love is you have it's like there's two separate arguments being made. You have the one argument from people saying, well, Nolan Patrick hasn't been with good linemates. That's why he's not performing. And then those very same people out of the other, other side of their mouth say, Travis Konechny is really good and the coach should be using him. We're like, Travis Konechny has been one of Patrick's main linemates. So if, if Patrick's linemates have been bad, then that in turn means you have to admit that Travis Konechny is bad, but no one wants to admit that because they want to believe that they are all that they they bought that his jersey already. That it's just the fact that Patrick's line mates have been bad—that's making it bad. Like it's a little bit of everything.
3: Yeah. Well, all right. So you take you take someone who you hope is good, but the the coach hates, and the person that we know is bad, and the coach <laughs> loves. Doesn't, he I doesn't, doesn't really well. though.
2: Okay. Like he doesn't well. play Weese at all. The only reason Weese is playing is because he's given up on LaTera. like <laughs> I mean, which is understandable. <laughs> totally understandable. Like Dale Weese. Like the way I say. Imagine.
3: Imagine. Being like the type of player that Dave Hackstall loves, and and he can't even get behind you. Yeah. Like he's just like no, I can I cannot even look old... at your face. Yuri Latera. in, in, in
0: Hackstall's defense though about Weese. Like he did scratch Weese a lot last year. Yeah, like yeah. I don't know if Dave Haxtell, He only played like 64 for, for, games last for all year. of Haxall's fault. I don't know if Dave Hackstall has too, really. And he got suspended. Did he get
3: suspended? I think he had, he very had an early suspension. I very believe. Possible.
0: Very possible. But for all Dave Hackstall's faults, I don't think liking Dale Weiss is one we can no, pin yeah. on him. Like, all I, right, all right, okay. I, I think it's the not, only person who likes Dale Weiss in that him, organization yeah. is Ron, Ron Hextall. Ron Hextall, yeah.
3: Well, <laughs> hold on, wait, wait, wait. I've got, I wanted to finish my point. So you've got Travis Konechny, who Dave Hextall hates and we believe could be a good player. Then we've got Dale Weiss, who we know is a bad player. He's only and playing
2: because there's no one else.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there is, but we won't, we'll, we'll, well, that's not for today. Here
2: right now. There's no one else here right now. There
3: was Matt Reed who was better, but anyway. True. Um. Don't they kind of nullify each other out? Like, isn't it essentially so? So it's not like Nolan Patrick is skating around the ice by himself or with two anchors, but he's kind of by himself.
2: And then if you look at it and it's like, Oh, they just got a shift with Brandon Manning, too.
3: Oh, my uh, God. Oh, my God. So it's Patrick, I, can't even, I cannot even get started on the ice players, time that Brandon Manning is getting because it will make me have an aneurysm so seeing, right here. Of the
2: five guys out there, the veterans are Manning and Weiss. And then you have Connecty in his second year, oh Patrick Lord. with less than 20 games, and uh, Maybe, Travis yeah, Sanheim with 24.
3: Who only gets. Two minutes a period. Yeah. I, I can I cannot. I cannot. Right. Not on this day can I talk about Brandon Manning you and his ice time. Had
2: some stuff you wanted to get to with uh, sexy Hexy. So. Yeah.
3: So so let's let's talk about Ron Hextall and the things that let's he's saying. Hex baby. What? No, because I don't <laughs> like him like that right no. now. Um. So these are some of the quotes that he's had in the past day or two. Dave Hextall is our coach, and he will remain our coach, period. Hextall said forcefully. Now, this is from a Sam carciti article.
2: So who knows if it even happened?
3: Well, these these are in quotes, so <laughs> if they haven't, then he'll, he'll issue an apology. <laughs> I don't know. I've said it over and over, and I'm not going to say it again. So this means that they're obviously, the, the Beats are hounding Hextall about this. Yeah, he's
0: been asked numerous times.
3: Which because. like
0: which is understandable.
3: Understandable.
0: Like, like, like don't don't... Don't think the Beats are, like, wrong for repeatedly asking the general manager, are you going to fire the coach who's coaching the team that's lost 10 straight games? It's a totally reasonable question to ask.
2: Yeah. And the media's not—like, to me, the media's one role here like in these situations is to be the go-between for the fans and the organization. And a large section of your fan base really, really <laughs> wants the coach fired. <laughs> They're saying as much—how great was the— uh, <laughs> They were showing all the Philly
0: fans in the stands. oh my god! what <laughs> dude had the I fire
3: was screaming. They're showing like
0: Dave greeting the fans and everything. The absolute best was the fact that, like, I'm pretty sure that was a segment created by the Calgary broadcast, yeah, yeah. and then the Flyers broadcast picked it up and very obviously cut it at the exact moment <laughs> they were about to show the fire axe. Someone, <laughs> so if
3: you if you guys didn't see this on online, so good. It's I, I retweeted it, but I have way too many tweets. So don't bother going through them. <laughs> it's, it's a video where obviously someone in the Flyers PR department said, Dave Hagstall, like you've got a, you've got a really bad rap right now. Go out and make nice with the fans. Um, so he's out before the game, like walking through the the stands and shaking hands and taking pictures and then they cut to more Flyers fans, and there's this giant hacks doll sign.
0: At the very end of the at montage. At the very
3: respect. end. And and the broadcasts are just like, well, that's not a very friendly message. Yeah, like, they like, just didn't know what to do. Look at the fans and the
2: coach. It's all lovey-dovey. And then
3: it's just and like, it's like oh. Cut. Cut.
2: Uh, like, the guy producing it was told to cut it out, yeah. and he left in like a second of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, cut Like straight up fight feet, club style. Like, did that just
0: happen? But then the Flyers broadcast, like 15 minutes later, used the same yeah. montage yeah, yeah. in their in their broadcast but of course made sure not to show the last second of it yeah. <laughs> which so is amazing so that, that didn't actually get on Philadelphia Airways <laughs> so, back to the Hextall conference yeah, yeah.
3: So, so to keep reading um, I think he's done a good job Hextall said we're in a rut they happen throughout a year you can't value and judge your team on 10 games or 15 or 20 games it's a long season and you're going to have your ups and downs Hexdall said, most teams go through losing streaks and this isn't uncommon. Somehow, I think people think there's no urgency here and we're okay with where we're at. Ten in a row is pretty uncommon. (laughs) Ten in a row is really uncommon. (laughs) We're not okay with where we're at. We've lost ten games in a row and we're not happy as an organization. There is not one player who's happy. There's not one coach that is happy. And certainly no one in management is happy. In saying that, we know that there's enough ability on this team right now to win hockey games. Then asked as though asked if he thought the team had quit on Hackstall. Hextall bristled. Absolutely not, he snapped. Have you watched this team for the for the ten games? Do you know how hard it is to go through a ten game stretch and lose? It's awful as an athlete. It's the worst thing that can happen to you.
2: I was on board with that sentiment until San Jose and Boston. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, they're
3: not. Yeah. Like,
2: as a team. 18 skaters and two goalies? It's not a complete effort out there.
3: Oh, no, no, it's not. So I was at the San Jose game and I went to go get alcohol because you need <laughs> well, it to be ne- necessary. Team. Like you needed it's to watch definitely this necessary team. this way. Um, and I was waiting to go back. To my seat, and I was just chatting with the usher, and he's looking at this team, and he's just throwing his hands up in the air, and he was like, this fucking team, he's like, they don't care, they've quit on the coach, like, this is the guy who's worked there for however many years, like, they know.
2: And that's why I, as we've talked about before, I believe Hextall's comments are directed at the players.
3: See, I don't, I don't think so. So let's, th- maybe, I mean, maybe they are, but this is very adamantly There's no other reason out. to do it,
2: other than you're getting asked about it every day and you're well, annoyed. You're, you're,
3: right. You're getting asked about it every day and you're annoyed, but I, I think that, I, I just can't, I cannot imagine that Hextall is dumb enough to go down with the ship of the sinking coach, but that's exactly what he's saying. But...
0: Is he going to go down with the ship? I
2: ask all the time who Very, is Hextol's boss? Know.
0: Who fires Dave, Ron
3: Hextol? Dave Scott.
0: Oh, yes. is D- Dave Scott and Holmgren's in there somewhere. Some Somehow Holmgren's involved. Yeah. And no so so Holmgren,
2: okay, so he has no say. He just plans he, statue unveilings. I mean, he's, uh, like, he's the president.
3: Is, the, the president is over the GM.
2: I understand that, but I just, what would have to happen for Ron Hextol? Like, do you or believe Dave, Dave he Scott. would get fired?
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah, to, to I
2: to, to me, the I, mean, I don't
3: think that is going to happen. I think Ron I Hextall think, has
2: a lot of a lot of leeway in this I organization. Don't. See,
3: I don't because he was Snyder's hire. Why does Dave Scott have any loyalty to Ron Hextall other than he has loyalty to the organization? Like Ron Hextall has to prove his worth, and if he is willing to tack his job to this coach that is wildly flailing. It's going to be bad. Yeah, I don't, I,
0: I'm. I'm with. I'm with Steph. Like the way, my read on the situation is that the higher ups do not want to let. They don't want to lose Ron Hexall. They think Ron Hexall is a good GM. They think he's done a good job. They think he's he's replenished the farm system. They think there's a bright future on on the horizon for this team. They don't want to let him go. But if they decide as a group that Dave Haxtell is a really bad coach and is not good at his job and needs to go. And they go to Ron Hextall and they say, we think you should fire this guy. And Ron Hextall tells them three, four straight times, I'm not firing him, he's the right guy. Eventually, if... The team continues to suck. Eventually, the higher ups are going to be like, "Okay, we all know this guy's bad. We've told you he's bad repeatedly. You are blind to the truth. If the only way we can fire him is to fire you, we'll do it."
3: Yeah, like and that's
0: how he goes. And
3: that's you're a- already you're already seeing the the in, the insiders with their whispers. You're already seeing management is not happy. You're already seeing the the allusions to. They may step in and do something here. It's, it's already starting to I just,
2: to be spread. I do not see any sort of intervention through the higher-ups unless attendance takes a dramatic hit. And it has. And that might happen.
3: It, it already has. <laughs> Paid attendance, though, has it? I, I mean, I don't know.
2: People with season tickets just don't go, but I just... Well, th- then look at next year. I mean, this year... And I this would could. have to be a pro... Like, I'm saying Hextall loses his job if this is still a
0: bottom-of-the-barrel lottery team through next season. Oh, uh, see, I, what I'm saying... I don't think Hextall is, there's Under any circumstances, Hextall gets fired before the end of the year.
3: No, I don't think but so But I'm
0: saying before but, the end of next year. But if... Let's say the Flyers finish fifth from the bottom at the end of this year. You know, they win some That's more optimistic. games here and there, but they finish fifth in the bottom. They're, they're bad. They're, they're really bad. And they never not really show any signs of getting it together. There's not the, the fans were booing all the time. in every home game, fire Haxel chance were regular, you know, they are playing a half empty arenas and the higher ups go to, ha- go to Haxel and say, you need to get rid of this guy. And he says, no, I'm not certain that they don't say, if we don't fire this coach, the fans aren't going to show up next year. A yeah. change needs to be made, and if this GM won't do it, not only do we need to fire Hextall because he won't do what we want him to do, it's also because it speaks to a flaw in his management strategy, which is he cannot recognize when he's made a mistake.
3: Yeah. and you like esp- or, or, or won't make the adjustment when he has realized.
0: Especially he in game. hockey, like... You can't be married to any coach. You can't. Know. It doesn't matter who the coach is. So, so you have to believe. You have to believe that if this continues, Hexel will fire him. Like you, you have to. Because, oh, I do. Because Hexel is not stupid. He's not. That's why I believe, as of right now, these
2: comments are more directed at the players than telling everyone else. No, it's not happening. Not firing him. Like, I really don't think he's sitting in his private office, in his private conversation saying, nope, not firing him. Well, <laughs> well, That's, that's like, what I want. I want to go. I telling the players, I'm not doing this. If you quit, it's going to look real bad for you because I'm not doing this shit again.
3: Well, I want to go back to to some quotes from last year when they were in the 10 game win streak. Um, so this was right after the win streak was over. Uh, some of these quotes. Um, And he says, I'm not sure you ever envision in this day and age a 10-game winning streak. They're hard to come by. I think you expect your team to play better. I think we've got a good team. We do have expectations that are reasonable, but also we expect to win. I don't know if I say I expect a 10-game winning streak, but do you expect to win maybe 10 of 12, 10 of 13? Yeah, I think that's fair during times of the year. Um, And then he says, I think we've got a lot of work to do, do. I'm really interested to see Monday because typically that's when you come off of one of these streaks. You really want to respond the right way. So I'm interested to see how Monday's game goes. And that was the game right after they lost to end the winning streak. Um, And then he follows that by not necessarily win or loss, but more in terms of how we play, the effort, the focus that's there. I think it's human nature is we're disappointed right now and you come back and maybe there's a little bit of a letdown. So I'm interested to see which way that goes. This is, I mean, this is how he could say, I mean, this was after a 10-game win streak and they lost one game. He's a lot more critical of the team and he is a lot more um, focused on we need to do better, and the focus is there, but we also expect to win games. You have not heard that from him at all. But I
2: feel like those are the comments almost exactly mirroring, but opposite.
3: I don't know right after
2: they lost to San Jose. Right after that San Jose game where he came out and was like, hey, we could have won some, this, that, blah, blah, blah. The more recent comments Hextall has made has been more petulant, stop asking me, he's the fucking coach. Like, that, I think, is... Like, what he's saying now. But a week ago, I feel like he made basically these exact comments, but opposite for the 10-game I don't think, losing streak. I don't
3: think that he did. I, I, I think that after the San Jose game, it was still Dave Hackstall is our coach, and we're sticking with him, and we're a good team, and, and this is unacceptable, but we're not going to change anything because...
0: <laughs> it's unacceptable, but we're Because it's acceptable. But we're accepting my it. favorite thing in the world. <laughs> at, at, least, at least they changed the lines. Because, like, even though... I really like that first line. At least that was a tangible change to show that, like, okay, we're not just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting that this losing. That's what
2: expand. I want to wrap up with. How did you like uh, the combinations last night? Drew uh, stays with Couturier. Simmons is on their right wing. Voracek moves over with Raffle and Filipa. Wheel, Lawton, Lear make up your third line. Wees Patrick, me pulling up the rear. Uh, I'm not going to call that the Lawton line the fourth line when they're getting like double the ice time. In, <laughs> yeah, that's, they got they got that's third absolutely. Asinine. Yeah. Like they got like 17 minutes or something compared to one line that got about eight.
3: This was the game that Michael Roffel has been building up to all season. Yeah, yeah. this is the
2: I game I keep that. expecting Travis Connecty to have. I'm like <laughs> he's going to have one and then it'll be fine. Well, and Travis, Michael Roffel? I mean, had Travis
3: Connecty is significantly smaller than Michael Roffel, I believe. It, at least in terms that of. That means beefiness. nothing to me in this
2: league anymore. Well,
3: he. I mean, it matters a little bit. Uh, Johnny Drove's a top five
0: player. Yeah, but Patrick Johnny,
3: Kane's an MVP. Yeah, but,
0: but those guys are like way more skilled than Travis Kinect. Like I'm Travis just saying
3: Campion. you can do it. Size doesn't matter to me because you can do it. Well, Michael Roffle uses his size, okay. is what I'm saying. Like, they, they just play a different game. Anyway, like, the, the man was on fire last night, and, and that's he didn't score until we were 20 games or whatever into the season. But it was there like it was just it was it it, it was he was doing all the right things and he was getting to the net. It was just really shit luck. And I am so, so happy to see him rewarded the way that he was last night.
0: Yeah. Going to the lines. I mean, I guess the thing the one thing I don't like about them is I'd prefer Weiss to be. On the fourth line But I guess if you're using like, I, I like Wheel and Wiese to switch But I guess if you're using Patrick as the fourth line Center then it's a different story Because yeah. I just don't want Weis getting a lot of ice time <laughs> like, I'm in this weird middle ground with Patrick Where like I don't want him with one of the really Really good players Because I just don't know if he would drag them down At this stage At the same time I don't want him with the really bad players either so, like, to me, like, a wheel Patrick Connecting line is, like, a nice balancing act of, like, there's nobody on that line that I think is too good, but there's nobody on that line that I think is awful. Mm-hmm. So, I sort of like that as an idea. I like the Drew-Katurje-Simmons thing. I like the fact that they kept Drew with Katurje. Yeah, I, I did, I, not, I did I, not want to spoil that. I like that duo. And I like Raffle and Voracek surrounding Filippo because Filippo is still useful offensively, he just can't drive play anymore, so you put him with two guys who drive play and get get him in, that can get him in the offensive zone, and then you can create something. So I like that. I Yeah, it's just like, uh, I almost wonder if, they'll never do it, because they've given up on the guy, but I I really wish they would just call Reed up and send Weiss down.
2: That's I was reading Dave Isaac's article today about Matt Reed, and like, his agent has the go-ahead to uh, seek a trade, and he's talking like, yeah, like, listen, I get it. I'm down here. I'm happy to be talking to the kids and just all the kids are happy to talk to him just trying to, you know, suck information dad out of him basically. Yeah, he is dad And uh, yeah, but he's like, yeah, I mean, I think I belong in the NHL and I'm I'm watching this losing streak and I'm like, I could, <laughs> I, I could he, I, he actually know. said like I'm watching this losing streak and I feel like I could be helping and there's nothing uh, I can do cuz I'm down here. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm 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 over the Matt Reed era. I want to move on from Matt Reed, but when my other options are Reese and Laterra, Matt Reed has
0: to be better.
3: Bring back meat!
2: At least <laughs> at
0: least Reed drives play. Like at least yeah. he drives. And and interestingly enough, like Patrick hasn't. So maybe. Like maybe as much as I want Roffle to be up the lineup, like I wouldn't hate like a roffle Reed Patrick line. You know, put him with two guys who drive play and see if they can get him in the offensive zone and then maybe Patrick can score because he doesn't have to worry about carrying people. I don't know. But I, I what, for
3: one would love that. What I do
0: know is that Dale Weiss is not that good <laughs> not at, hockey at the NHL level.
2: Fine, just one last thing. Any concern about that 28 14 17 line? They got they kind of got buried last night.
3: Um mm, Maybe Wayne no. Simmons
2: is it, really it, it's, disappointing me. This he's, year. he's
3: he he's going through a season. I, I don't. He,
0: he scored last night.
3: He did, but it was on the power play, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well,
0: Bakers can't be choosers when it comes no, to goals. No, <laughs> no, <and> You're <laughs>
3: absolutely right. Power play goal, goal counts just as much as a five on five goal. And he's a goal
2: scorer. They needed goals. He got one. That's all well and good. But like, yeah. the team wasn't. He wasn't very good with considering he's with two guys who are like top twenty in the league and scoring right now. Yeah. Uh he still wasn't all that great. I just they kinda got buried last night and it was a line that had been driving play previously. I guess check's kind of a real a real important He's factor. In that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a catalyst. He's kind of good. That is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. We're gonna, Steph has more to say. We're
3: going to close out with uh, an interview I pre recorded with Felicia Gostas Bear about the Ghost Bear Foundation. Yes,
2: listen to Felicia Gostas Bear, Shane's sister, talk about the Ghost Bear Foundation. It is an awesome logo, even better, uh, charitable
3: works. Yep. And they have an event coming up uh, with the Pennsylvania SPCA. Uh, we'll, and she'll tell you where you can get tickets and tell you all about that.
2: So check that out again. My name is Bill Matz. Oh, for Steph and Charlie. <laughs> Have a great week, everybody.
3: I am joined by Felicia gosses the president of the Ghost Bear Foundation. How are you today, Felicia? I'm good,
1: thank you. How are you?
3: Wonderful. Thank you for, for joining me and, and I'm really excited that you, you got the foundation off the ground. Thank you. Thank you for
1: having us. And yeah, we did. So we launched last Um, on Friday and so far so good. It's been a great response. Um, Everyone is really getting, gaining support or help, you know, starting to support us and spreading the word and we're really
3: excited. Excellent. So I've done some research on all of the, the causes that you are supporting. Can you tell me a little bit more about what the focus is of the Ghost Bear Foundation?
1: Sure. So it was very important to Shane that he encompassed three areas of his life that he finds to be, uh, that he's extremely passionate about. So obviously the first one of those would be hockey. Um, we've narrowed down the locations in which we choose to assist programs or raise awareness in areas to three areas of Shane's life that have been the most impactful, um, which would be obviously South Florida, where he was born and raised, Schenectady, New York, where he went to college, and then obviously Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So. Um, the first area was hockey, and our mission there is to basically find programs that help, you know, kids aspiring to be hockey athletes, whether it be helping them buy hockey equipment or setting up some scholarships for to pay for some travel hockey, um, you know, things things of that nature. The second area that's really important to Shane is children. He always loved children. He's always been able, always gotten along with children very well. So we definitely plan on kind of teaming up with chops, uh, chops hopefully, and um, kind of getting something off the ground there. And then finally, animals. Um, as everybody knows, Shane has two adorable French bulldogs, mm-hmm. and he's pretty pretty obsessed with, with any type of animal, um, especially dogs and things like that. So, um, yeah, those are, those are kind of the areas and the missions that we are choosing to focus on.
3: Excellent. So why, and, and this is going to be... Probably a really simple explanation, but why did you decide on the Ghost Bear Foundation?
1: Well, I think as everybody has kind of nicknamed him um, a playoff of our last name as mm-hmm. Ghost Bear. Yep. So we thought it was cute. We thought it was playful. Um, it obviously raised relative to Shane, and it was easily recognizable. So I think it was pretty much a no-brainer there.
3: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I saw that you also have some events lined up. Tell me more about them and how we can get involved.
1: We do. So our first event, um, we paired with the Philadelphia SPCA. That event's going to take place on Friday, December the 15th at the Punchline Comedy Club. Um, And it starts at 4.30. It ends at 7 o'clock um basically all the proceeds are going to benefit the pspca um shane will be there taking photos cooper and kippa will be there as well and everyone will get a chance to take a photo with them and meet them as well as gina shane's girlfriend um our goal here is just really to have a soft launch for the foundation get people accustomed to starting to hear in conversation or in events the ghost bear foundation and then of course being the pspca they, uh, their cause and their mission align with our goals so that's kind of how that
3: relationship took place mm-hmm. uh, but yeah so that's our first event excellent excellent well I'm very much looking forward to seeing the great things that you are up to within your first year is there anything else we should know
1: no um, really just if you wanted to go purchase tickets for the event on Friday go ahead um, I believe it being sold from Market Master. general mission is Um, This will get you, uh, you'll be able to have the opportunity to take a photo with Shane as well as buy some raffle tickets for some awesome,
3: That's excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Felicia, and best of luck.